The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk once again right here on High FM where we look at all the new tech trends, all the new gizmos, gadgets and, and stuff that's happening in the tech world which quite honestly is becoming the world that we live in from TikTok to Facebook to Instagram to all the shiny new gadgets that we play with on a day-to-day basis. And quite honestly, <laughs> I know load shedding currently in, in operation in the area where Chai is is not helping any because you've got to power your gadgets through some way or another. Um, the quantity, the depth, the smartness of all these gadgets is going to grow exponentially. But this week, the first true opening operating week of uh, 2020, which is crazy. 2020 is science fiction. All the books were set in the year beyond 2020 or 2020. It's just a crazy time. We're living in a world of flying cars, flying carpets, you name it. It's all happening now. And this is going to be a huge decade for tech. As much as technology dominated the conversation for the first 20 years of the century, And in the last 10 years, from 2010 to 2020, the growth of the Internet, the growth of connectivity. If you imagine the smartphone or the phone, never mind the smartphone, the phone that you had in your hand back in 2010 compared to the phone that you've got in the hand today, well, one is a a killer computer with a high-resolution, large screen with enough processing power to launch the space shuttle and Back in 2010, it was an SMS, a phone call machine. It was struggling barely to do all of that with four-inch screens and below. And they were pretty much Nokia were the kings of smart-ish phones. And you had apps on those phones that couldn't do a whole hell of a lot. So we've really come a long way. And the looking forward, I mean, I'm going to be talking about something. As I said, this week is CES week. The CES show, which happens in Las Vegas, Every year at this time, and I did not attend this year for full disclosure, um, unfor- well, not even unfortunately. I've got my reasons why I did not attend. But anyway, it is a great place for all the new tech that is coming out, all the new craziness, all the new um, visions of the future uh, that are going to come out. And there is no question that we are seeing tons and tons of this. But the next, the bottom line, really, and all this carryings on around technology is that the next 10 years are going to be even more unbelievable from new technologies, new ways of doing things, new ways of running your business, new ways of running your home, new ways of running your life based on information, connected goodies, connected stuff, information in the cloud, growth of smart devices everywhere is really, really going to have a massive impact on the way that we work, the way that we live. Medical is probably one of the most fundamental places where we're going to see huge, huge, and I mean unprecedented advances with regard to technology and diagnosis. So I believe that being super positive about this. There's a lot of negative to discuss in general in South Africa right now. And generally, there's always someone who's naysaying technology. But technology is a tool. And I want to talk about some of those amazing um, gizmos and gadgets that are being shown at uh, CES. Again, 90% of them will never see the light of day. 
but they do certainly point towards where we're going in the future. And the, the, the next decade is going to be absolutely huge in terms of all these various technologies that are around. I don't think we're going to see anything spectacularly new, but we're going to see lots of new uses. And on that note, we're going to have a quick break for our sponsors, and then I will be back to discuss CES. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Now, moving on to CES. CES, for those of you whom perhaps don't know and haven't seen anything on TV and haven't seen any, you know, anything online around CES, is the largest consumer electronics show in the world today. But it has evolved over the years from being simply the gizmo gadget. I mean, Sony launched their uh, video recorder at CES. So many firsts in the tech world have been launched at CES in January in Las Vegas over the last couple of decades that I, I actually lose count. I'm not even going to mention them now. But essentially, it is the trend-setting place. 170,000 people from around the world gather to gawk at all the gizmos and just get informed about what's going on. And this year, Interestingly, is not no major new gadgets or gizmos were highlighted as of yet. Obviously, LG launched a whole new range of 8K TVs. They, you know, fully certified the new 8K standards are are, are out there, and these TVs have finally reached those standards. And there's a whole new range of big screen and small screen, still smaller screen. 8K TVs that will be available on the market within the next three months at prices that will surprise. This is what's so interesting. Um, 4K is the rage. People are only just starting to move into 4K. In the U.S., it's become a big deal. South Africa, because of price, less so. But 8K is, without question, the next trend, and 2020 is the year of the commercial 8K TV. Samsung, by the same token, launched a whole new range of TVs with no bezels. In other words, no surrounds on the outside. It's just pure TV from corner to corner using their QLED technology. Also will be on the market in the next three months. Spectacular looking sizes up to a hundred inches. It's pretty insane what's going on. What's really of interest is that the average size of a TV sold in the US and pretty much going on everywhere is now 65 inches. No longer 48 or 45 or 55. 65 inches is the most commonly sold TV size and the growth in 75 inch and above has become quite exponential. So, TVs are getting bigger, resolutions are getting higher, quality is improving beyond anything we could ever imagine. The new technologies of streaming, more content is being streamed than viewed online in linear TV globally. So if you're not streaming Netflix, you're missing out on huge amounts of content. Disney Channel launched. There is just so much streaming content, so much available Online, that it has become the de facto way of enjoying TVs. And the TVs themselves have become computers. They've all got very advanced processors. Take a, a normal HD stream, upscale it to 4K, upscale it to 8K, and give you the most amazing pictures from very little information. But no question that this year we will start seeing the streaming platform starting to stream in native 8K, which will then set the scene um, for a, a massive growth in 8K TVs. And all you will need is a 100 megabit line. That's all. It's not terribly serious. You can get those from anyone at the moment if you've got fiber in South Africa. And in fact, you can get it from a 5G provider in South Africa called Rain, who are doing 5G 
um, modems right now. Um, not in all areas, but certainly in the main major metros. For a thousand rand a month, you can get a 5G modem with up to a thousand megabits per second. Um, megabytes per second. Sorry, I've got to get my bits and bytes right. But a thousand meg speed. They say that average is between 200 and 400, which is pretty insane at this space. And that's all you need. That's all you need. That's all you need for 8K. So that is definitely happening. But one of the coolest things that came out of, of CES is that Hyundai and our friends at Uber are working on a flying car. Now, that's total science fiction. And there have been reports of flying Ubers in Dubai and places like that. But when a major, major car manufacturer such as Hyundai Motor um, get in bed with a company like Uber who are in the transportation business and create their first concept personal air vehicle, a PAV, do uh, get used to these acronyms. You're going to hear more and more and more of them. It is part of what they call urban air mo- mobility, which is a UAM landscape. I love these acronyms. Tech without acronyms just does not um, <laughs> does not exist. But the bottom line that personal air vehicles and personal air taxis are all going to be part of urban air mobility. The idea that you're not going to be stuck in traffic. You're going to have autonomous cars on the road. You're going to have autonomous or potentially not autonomous air vehicles flying above the roads, taking us where we want to go, is becoming more and more of a reality. A lot of science fiction, as I alluded to earlier, definitely said by 2020 we'd be flying above the ground in our personal cars. Well, that hasn't happened. But it's not that far out. Uber maintains that by 2023, which is in three years' time, they will be offering uh, personal air vehicles as a solution to Ubering around. So you'll hop in. They're already doing helicopters in New York. You can Uber via a helicopter in New York. And they're going to take it to the next level. You'll hop into a little car. It'll fly you where you want to go, hopefully without too many uh, traffic jams in the air. And off you go. So the whole idea of smart mobility has changed absolutely everything around how we get around, how we go. And, I mean, there's no question. Take a look at Johannesburg. Take a look at any major city today. See what's going on on the roads. More and more cars are getting on the road. More and more congestion. More and more traffic. I saw a a horrible stat. They reckon that by 2030, if they don't do something about the roads and the, the, the mobility systems in Johannesburg, the average speed around Joburg will drop to 15 kilometers an hour. Can you just imagine how long it will take you? It can take you two hours or more to get to Pretoria or three hours to get to Pretoria. A gridlock of 15 kilometers an hour across, on average, across the, um, across the, um, the metro would be a killer. I mean, it would kill productivity. It would kill doing business. It would be a complete nightmare. So, the reality of all these new transportation systems, personal air vehicles, personal air uh, um, Ubers, is going to become more and more and more and more. So when Hyundai, who sold more than 4.5 million vehicles globally in 2018, says that it's definitely working towards um, their, their, um, the, the vision of a personal air vehicle, they've got customers ready and waiting. The prototype was on the floor in Las Vegas, and it's a working prototype. It's not just a a, a, a plastic mock-up. It's coming, it's happening, and they weren't the only ones. There were a lot of people talking about the next vision in transport. Sony, Sony, the electronics company, 
and this is not the car show, this is Consumer Electronics Show, we're showing off a concept self-driving car. So the growth of electric, self-driving, flying, you name it, motor vehicles is absolutely on the up and up. We are seeing a huge, huge interest. Ford released an electric uh, car, badged it, A, um, I've gone completely blank. How's that for a, a terrible thing? A Mustang. They badged it a Mustang, and they've released an electric car. So we're going to see massive, massive growth in the in the electric mobility. But I think that's one element of it. The whole idea of mass transport, Uberized type transport, whether Uber survives as Uber, whether other guys come on board, whether we get a mix of of urban and not. Toyota, I'll talk about that straight after our break in a few seconds, but Toyota have also envisaged, envisaged, and as the Americans say, envisioned a whole new way of getting around, a whole new way cities are built and developed with flying and, and underground, you name it. So we'll be back with, with that interesting story straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back and no Tech Talk Cafe today, but we are talking about such cool stuff coming out of CES and so many new gadgets and gizmos and silly stuff. I mean, they've even got, you want one of the most ridiculous things um, that was released there. There's a cat litter box that a uh, company released in uh, at CES. And this actually talks to something I, I talked about earlier regarding the medical uses of technology. But anyway, you can now go and buy a cat litter box for your furry feline friend, which analyzes what they do in litter boxes and tells you if there's any problems with your cat's health. So <laughs> it won't be long before that comes to humans as well. So expect to, you know, go to the loo and, and get told that, oops, you need to see your doctor, there's problems. So, I mean, that's bizarre and crazy, but it does definitely talk to the whole growth in sensor technology in the analysis and the smartness of all the gizmos and gadgets that are coming in the nearish future. And a whole host of those types of technologies were highlighted at the health part of CES and definitely as part of what's going on. But what was really fascinating is Toyota. Again, what are Toyota doing at CES? But mobility, technology, cars are a huge, huge, huge thing. There's almost no way you can divorce a motoring device from a gadget. It's all integrated. It's all part of everything. And we're better to reveal visions of the future than at Las Vegas. So what Toyota revealed, they are going to build an actual prototype city of the future. They're calling it the Woven City. It's going to be built in the foothills of Mount Fuji in Japan, starting now. They've got a 175-acre plot where they are going to build a complete city from the ground up on a small scale. But what they're going to use it for is to develop, test, and play with technologies such as autonomy, robotics, personal mobility, smart homes, and artificial intelligence in a real-world environment. Now, this is not just going to be a showplace. This is going to be an actual living, working city where people are going to live, where offices are going to be placed, where, where shops are going to operate, where the normal life of a suburb, of a city is going to happen under the control and total, well, maybe not control, but under the the vision or the 
the observance of how these technologies play, and they're going to use the city to create the types of technologies along with the collaboration with any commercial or academic partners who would be interested in getting involved in this one-of-a-kind real-world type incubator. I mean, that is just an insane thing to even consider doing because the one real challenge that we've all got in this technology world, it's all brilliant to pick up your phone and, and think it's just a phone. But a phone is not a phone. A phone is a portal. It's a, it's a way to get into a whole host of other technologies. Imagine this. Switch your phone off and see how useful it is. You know, not switch it off. Not physically off. Switch off the connectivity on your phone and see how useful it is. It's, it's a useless plastic piece of nothing. You can play a couple of offline games like Tetris and things like that. But nothing that makes a smartphone truly useful can work unless that phone is connected to the various services, platforms, um, networks, and whatever else that you, you need to connect to. You can't do your banking. You can't check your accounts. You can't surf the web. You can't listen to music apart from some of the stuff that's downloaded. You can't watch a video. You can't talk to your friends via WhatsApp, via anything. So every gadget that we have today is very hard to look at in isolation, and that's exactly what uh, Akio Toyoda, the president of Motor Corporation, said, you have to put all these technologies into the real world, and then you can create, um, you can create and understand how these technologies change things, how we work, how we ever inhabit, how we navigate these cities. So they are building this complete city. Built with a whole bunch of Danish architects. They've done things like the World Trade Center in New York, um, Lego House in Denmark, Google's Mountain View in London headquarters. These guys are going to put together this insane city and the best thing, the weave of above ground, low ground. They're going to have street usage broken into three different levels. The first level for faster vehicles only, um, which are normal things, a mix of low speed, personal mobility and pedestrians and personal mobility is little scooters, bikes, and lots of park-like promenades. And all these three street types will weave together to form a grid pattern that is most, most um, um, effective in terms of getting people around. So apart from that, all the buildings will be fully sustainable. They'll be mostly made of wood to keep, you know, to keep in, in going with traditional Japanese wood joinery, combined with robotic production methods, so a bit of, of 3D printing, robots putting all this stuff together. Um, and once you come into the residents, come into the city, only fully autonomous zero-emission vehicles will be allowed on the main roads. So maybe there'll be deliveries to the outside, but within this woven city, only autonomous Toyota cars will be used for transportation deliveries and for anything else. So really, really pushing um, pushing to create this whole new vision of the future. They're going to move a whole lot of Toyota Motor Corporation employees, a whole lot of their families, retired couples, retailers, scientists, and other industry partners. And they're going to start off in 2021 with 2,000 people in this project. So if you want to know more about this, I just think it's absolutely fascinating that we're going to actually see in a Jetson-style city, just like you could imagine with flying cars, hopefully with uh, electric cars, buses, you name it, 
all happening in a real-life environment with real people, go and have a look at their website. It's woven-city.global. It's abs- I did that. It's absolutely insane. I, so much more than I could even imagine um, is going to happen there. So it's woven, W-O-V-E-N-city, C-I-T-Y, dot global, G-L-O-B-A-L. That's the website. Go and have a look at it. I think you'll be absolutely fascinated at what level of new technologies are available um, at this stage. And these are all real-world technologies that happen now. A lot of them might not be entirely uh, available in the shops, but it's not. we're not talking science fiction beyond anything that anyone could imagine. There's phones, there's cars, there's homes, there's uh, robots, and, and Japan is one of the leaders in that space as well. There'll be multi-generational dwellings. There's all the concepts that we've been playing with um, in the new world to try to create a new way of living, a new way of going. And this is all underpinned by technology. Without technology, it would be another village with houses and streets and stuff that we know. But this is a whole new way to be done. And I didn't mention something else. The entire city will be powered by hydrogen fuel cells that will be built and powered within the city itself. So it'll be totally sustainable. It won't have to worry about load shedding. We need a couple of hydrogen fuel cells right here in Johannesburg right now. But it's all new technologies. Absolutely everything that you want to do will be available at the So have a little check out at woven-city.global. And um, it's not no com on that, just dot .global. That's a brand-new URL that's available to lots of interesting people. So moving on to some more of the gizmos and gadgets um, that were coming out of uh, uh, CES. And staying with the whole transport theme, Sedgeway, the guys who brought us the Sedgeway standing unit, which has become pretty – you see it at shopping centers. You see it all over the show – have come out with something called the S-Pod. Now, the S-Pod looks weird, really weird, but it is, according to all the reports, huge fun to drive. If you saw the movie Where's, uh, Where's Wally, um, Wally, Wall-E, not Where's Wally, um, Wall-E, where people were sitting in these little pods and being shipped around the spaceship and never having to get out and getting all fat and unhealthy um, because they didn't do anything, well, that's exactly what Sedgeway's new self-balancing vehicle looks like. It absolutely is. It's a it's a roundish, egg-shaped type S-pod wheelchair type thing, and um, you can you know you can really <laughs> imagine that shooting down the road. But again, it's part of the whole mobility type thing. And Sedgeway have always been really good at building these sort of self-balancing self managed type electric vehicles running around. And the S-Pod is controlled by a joystick on the right side of the of the seat. You push it in the normal way backwards and forwards to go everywhere. But when you lean, and that's what's so cool, is when you lean and move your body around, it also uh, follows where you want to go. So expect to see a whole lot of new little S-Pod Wally type um, goodies with these whole self-balancing gyroscopic technology built in. And it just makes sense. So if, you, if you're if you in an urban environment and you want to get from one place to another really effectively and efficiently without hassling about uh, getting up and running, here's it's better than a scooter. 
you can actually sit. It's great for older people, younger people. So, <laughs> but it's again a whole Wally type vibe running around and from a company that will probably, they didn't say when it's launching, but they said within the next short while. So expect to see something like the SBOD. Um, and as I said, anyone who tried it there, I've read all the reviews, said that they never felt it was going to tip over. It always felt controllable, and it actually worked amazingly well. So another option for transport. Who needs to worry about walking long distances when you can hop in your S-Pod and whiz down the road without standing on something and feeling exposed? My wife would be happy because she's not very keen on the on the current sedgeways. They tend to get out of control when she's involved. So there you have it, even smarter, even faster, and even more futuristic in many, 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 many respects. Now, some of the other new technologies that were discussed at CES, which is, is I'm just going to run through a few of them, some of the highlights of what's going on. Samsung announced a new system called Neon. Here's the thing. Samsung reckon that the 2020s are going to be the age of experience, which is actually a very interesting way of summing up what's coming with technologies. The technologies themselves are going to be fading into the background, and and the relevant thing that we need to understand is that the experiences that these technologies are going to be able to offer to the users, or all of us, never mind the users, you won't even realize you're using technology, but the the technologies will will fade into the the background and allow us to do the most amazing things. So what uh, Neon is, it's a company that's owned by um, Samsung. What Neon is talking about are artificial avatars that look and respond and behave like people. So what, uh, what they're talking about, and this is a gadget manufacturer, Samsung, what they're talking about is a really ambitious project and it's part of um, a company, the subsidiary part of Star Labs, which, interestingly enough, if you watch enough science fiction, Star Labs is, is quite the cool name. But Star Labs are creating this avatar. And what they say this avatar will do, it will look like a normal human, and it will learn and respond in very human-like ways. So when you talk to it, if you need to interact with a personal trainer or you need to interact with someone from a bank, right now we've got these really dumb chatbots on SM, on, on WhatsApp, and, and you click on them and it's got a scripted-type response. But what uh, Star Labs are promising with the Neon Project are human-looking, human-responding with emotions, with faces, with facial features, complete human-looking avatars that can adapt their responses within microseconds and respond as a human would do to take you through all sorts of interactions that are really um, really interesting. And some of the use cases they're talking about training. Imagine if you could be trained by a person, a realistic human avatar that are totally computationally generated and interact with you in real time. They'll always have patience. They can take you through the same problem again and again and adapt and learn with the benefit of, of massive amounts of information in the back end that no human being could ever have access to in the same way. So it's way beyond VR. It's way beyond AR. It's actually total science fiction. You'll, you'll, you'll interact for whatever reason. You'll walk into a bank. You'll talk to a person 
It might not be a real person. It would be a screen. But that person, that avatar, will be able to take you through everything that a normal human would on a level that normal humans couldn't do. All the information, there should be theoretically no question that you ask it that can't be handled. Normal limitations of experience and understanding will just not apply. So it, at this stage, again, CES, they showed a couple of demos, which was really interesting, but it's hard to to to, to really understand because it was very scripted. So it's very, very hard to really um, see how far the technology has come. But the concept of an ultra-realistic, entirely artificial human with minds of their own raises enormous amounts of, 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 of possibilities. Obviously, it raises enormous amount of, of fears about political misinformation and AI being used to create all sorts of other potentially negative things. But the positive side is that people respond best to people. And the dehumanized computer interactions that we are all becoming used to, I mean, the, the meme running around the Internet or the, or the world is that the Internet and phones are dehumanizing us. It's taking away human interaction. But often it's not possible to deal with people on every element for every single thing. It's too, cost, it's too costly. Um, again, the, the chain of information is too broken. No one person can know everything about everything to do with everything. Um, and to find the right person to help you with a particular situation is often incredibly difficult. But imagine if you had a computer-controlled simulation. They've already started this in some respects. There are television channels in China using newsreaders that are entirely avatars. They're not humans at all, but the entire channel is being read by a bot, uh, a computer-generated avatar on the screen, and it sound, they sound a little stilted. I've listened. My Chinese is terrible, so I couldn't really understand what they were saying. But truly a whole reader talking online, and uh, the trade unions will hate me, but it's certainly a lot cheaper to spin up a computer avatar than to hire a person, feed them, pay them, fire them if needs be. So the world is about to get super, super interesting. And when a company like Samsung with the scope and the scale and the breadth of their resources, have invested significant money into Neon via Star Labs. Um, we are going to see more and more of this. Imagine you open your fridge. You can interact with a person talking on the front of your fridge, discussing various issues. He'll take you, walk you through a, 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 a menu and, and order the ingredient, ingredients that you need from Take-A-Lot. So, and that will get delivered by drone in within one hour so that your cake can be made for dinner. So it's just, again, just the various possibilities about how all these connected technologies mesh and connect and interact and work together. Um, there's no question that the vision of this is being articulated by all the big companies and tons of little companies at CES. So expect to see more and more of this Expect to see more and more of these various little technologies. And obviously for the, the, the gadget heads out there, the new Sony TVs, the new LG TVs, there's new Samsung TVs that are coming, um, all higher resolution, all brighter, sharper, more accurate, with a lot of smart elements. The speech recognition on all of these TVs, whether you use Siri, whether you use um, Google, whether you use Amazon Alexa, is becoming 
really very, very, very powerful, very easy to use. And what is really cool, just before CES, all those companies announced that they are going to be working together for once. Apple as well. Apple and Amazon and all of these guys are going to be working together with a, a platform that will allow all those products to interact with all those platforms in an organized and proper way. So you won't have to make a choice. If you've got Apple, you can, great, it's use it. If you've got Google, you can use it. If you've got Alexa, you can use it. All of these things will blend together to allow you to have a smart home that you can interact with using voice or whatever it is. Now, before we carry on with this craziness, uh, we have to take another quick break for our sponsors, and then I'll be back with an amazing cool gadget I played with. We've got to talk about that. And then uh, a last-minute wrap-up on some of the other cool things that emerged from uh, CES straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And when before we get into my gadget of the week, which which is a drone from DJI Mavic, which some people may or may not know about, but they're one of the leaders in the drone industry in South Africa, I have a quick read for you. Through High FM, you connect to the world, to Israel, and to global listening, and to the global listening community. But now you can actually connect to the heart of the station, which is really important. You can listen to me in the glory of wherever you are. Download our free app to listen live. Um, contact the studio office or helpline at one touch. Simple as that. We have an app. You can talk to us. You can listen to us. You can interact with us all through the app. Find it on the Google App Store. Just search for Chai FM and look, or look for the logo. And the Chai FM app is brought to you by Binary Headquarters. Thanks to them, we can now interact with you wherever you are. You don't have to have a radio. You don't have to uh, have anything other than a connection to the Internet. Funny this. Such a circular world we live in. If you're connected, you can do the most amazing, amazing things. Anyway, I was very fortunate. Just before the holidays, um, DJI sent me their brand new Mavic Mini. Now, I mentioned the Mavic Mini because it was launched, I think, early November in South Africa and globally. And drones have become a cool toy for many people, but there's a really serious side to the whole drone industry. It has become an indispensable tool for many industries, N not least the uh the armies and the, the various defense forces around the world won't even mention who got killed by a massive drone attack. No people are involved. A drone did all the hard work. But drones have a lot of commercial and just leisure type activities. Who doesn't love those amazing shots of, of, of a drone over a canyon or zooming into the waves or all these cool overhead type shops, shots that drones can do. But drones have been fairly uh, difficult to manage for beginners. Around the world, many, 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 many governments are trying to regulate drones. I mean, drones have been the, the cause of shutting down airports. So there's a, there's a whole new world emerging. But the technologies that exist to create these little flying objects is absolute, un, absolutely unbelievable. Now, DJI, DJI, from professional drones to competitive drones to photography drones, I mean, you no longer – here's a perfect example. You no longer need – to climb to the top of a building to check the state of the roof. There are companies that can do it with drones, and that makes um, 
so much sense. But the DJI Mavic Mini is really a brilliant piece of portability, price, image quality, convenience. What it is, in, in a nutshell, is a featherweight foldable design which pops into a little pack. It has 30 minutes battery life per battery. If you buy the more advanced pack, um, you can get two extra batteries, so you can get up to one and a half hours of flying from one set of charged batteries. It has a camera on a gimbal built in. So in other words, the gimbal is the thing that gives you the stability to take amazing pictures when moving objects are flying about. But even more important than that, what it's got is an incredible amount of ease of use. It comes with a controller that you have to plug your Android or iPhone into. So your iPhone, download the DJI app, connect it all up, and you control the unit through your smartphone um, and through this little controller, which cuts the cost considerably. Just to be upfront, the the basic DJI Mavic Mini sells for six triple nine. It's available from DJI dealers across the country. And uh, there is a mobility pack or a pack with a whole lot of extras, including, which I think are actually essential if you're a first-time user, there's covers for the rotors or protectors for the rotors because as they stand now, they're unprotected in the basic pack as well as extra batteries, but I'll get into more details there. But essentially, all folded up, it can easily um, pop into your pocket. It is, It weighs less, and this is for lots of legal reasons, with a battery, it weighs less than 250 grams because there's certain regulations globally, and I think coming to South Africa now, that if it's over 250 grams, you have to register your drone as a flying machine you, with the FAA or wherever, or the CAA or whoever. So this thing fits right under that. It's smart. It's collapsible. It has incredibly stable video capture. I must tell you, the, the, I used it around the area. I used it in Delta Park. I flew it about like a real... Boss, it was it was absolutely so cool. It does not do 4K video like some of the more expensive ones, but the 2.7K um, video at round about 30 frames per second is more than good enough for anything other than professional professional use. It really is easy and simple to use. And what they've done is they've thought about the first time users in a in a in a really big way. There's a button that. Um, you can set up, for example, if you want to do that cool shot where a drone shoots up in the air away from you and you can see yourself receding in the distance, that's all preset. If your drone suddenly disappears behind a tree and you can't see it and you panic a little, push a button and the drone will come back home. It also, if it starts running out of, out of, out of battery, it will come back home and, and, um, land in a very easy way. My experience, and I'd not had a ton of, um, action, with drones, I'd flown a few in the past, never had so much time to spend. Luckily, as I said, over the holidays, they left it with me for the entire period. So I've been doing much drone flying. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to use it. So if you're looking for an intro into the drone world, the Mavic Mini is a perfect one. The quality of the device is outstanding. The battery life is probably the best in that category. The price is not insignificant at 6999 or 8999. But you're getting a lot of drone for that money. The camera is certainly more than good enough for 90% of people. It streams directly to your phone. You can share it on social media. You can store it. You can do the most amazing um, 
you know, effects. It does, it does a whole lot of interesting effects that are built in that are easy to use. And as your experience grows, it's really not fiddly to play with. It's easy to work with. It has more than enough uh, help built in to get you up and running really, really e- up as fast as possible. The core UI of the app is really intuitive and responsive. And it, it's just the Fly app as they've got it is really great. There was one stage where a little bit of Chinese stuff popped up, which is quite weird. But other than that, it's a treat. It's so easy to use. It's so easy to fly. The controller is intuitive. The, the, the drone itself is very responsive. Obviously, you have to be careful. Don't fly it over other people's homes. Don't fly it over the roads. Try to be a little bit responsible in your use of the drone. But the simple fact is that for that money, the Mavic Mini is probably one of the best introductions to drone flying that I can imagine. And apart from that, it is super cool. You can track the kids, the pets. You can do the most amazing effects of drone photography. If you're traveling to places that allow drones, you can do incredible shots on the beach. It's just an absolute blast, and it takes you right into the future of drones. And it's quietish. It's fast. It has pretty good range. I think it goes nearly 70 or 80 meters up in the air. The one trick I found is that if you switch your 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 phone to airport uh, to airplane mode, leave the Wi-Fi on, the range extends by a significant amount. Don't know. I'm not entirely sure technically why, but it definitely does extend further. And up to two kilometers, you can go without any problem in an open, non-urban environment. That's far. You can't even see the drone at two kilometers, but it's possible. So. If you're interested in drones, this is really the way to go. And we'll be back um, with a quick wrap-up of CES and all the latest tech straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And just to wrap up where we were, where we are with CES, one of the overriding themes was motoring. All the major car manufacturers were there showing off their latest in autonomous cars, smart cars, and the technologies. Even Sony, as I spoke about earlier, had an electric car at CES. Now, I don't expect Sony to actually go into the car manufacturing business. But what Sony did with this car, and it looks super sharp and super interesting, is highlight all the technologies and all the components that they supply to the industry. So from a complete on-screen, a dash that was screens from left to right, there were no buttons, not a knob to be seen anywhere. Everything was handled through multiple screens that spanned the entire width of the dashboard. In, In the center console was a screen. All the sensors, all the cameras, all the heads up displays, all the smart in fact, the rear-view mirror is not a rear-view mirror. It's a rear-view camera. There are no side mirrors. There are side cameras. So all the technologies that exist um, currently that Sony are, are um, selling and Sony are talking about, they highlighted in this car. So from the sound in the car, which is managed by Sony, from the cameras, the lighting, everything to do with the technology around um, including the batteries that they used to to power it were all developed and built by Sony. And this was a company that highlighted cameras, televisions, headphones, you name it, were busy 
highlighting how amazing their new car is with screens in the rear thing, fast charging, you name it. And all the various operational elements were handled by technology and by screens and various computers. So this thing has probably got more computers than anything else you could ever imagine in one place. Um, so motoring and the, the blend of technology and motoring has become a huge thing. The other thing that's become a big deal, and we're going to see more and more of it, and it, um, Lenovo, Dell, Microsoft, all these guys have launched flexible screen laptops. We've seen from Samsung flexible screen phones. They've been hugely expensive for now. The only one available in this country is the Samsung Fold, 40 grand for a 7-inch screen. Maybe a little bit rich for the average guy. Um, and it's sort of the first use of flexible screens. But na- expect 2020 over the next couple of months to see a whole host of them. Royale, who had one last year, have now gone commercial. They've got a lovely little foldable Android-type tablet. But Windows 10 laptops are now coming in foldable and dual screens more and more. Microsoft have launched a few. Lenovo launched uh, a really, really interesting prototype. They were all over the show. So, And the pricing is not absolutely stupid. Lenovo's X1 Fold um, is going to retail for around about 29,000 Rand, which is not inexpensive for a, a, a computer, but it has a foldable OLED screen, and it will ship with Windows 10 Pro. So it's a standard Windows computer, but with a folding screen, which can be duplicated. You can have a full screen, or you can have a keyboard on the one part, um, the, the traditional stuff on the other part. So we're going to see more and more foldable screens coming out that accept uh, pen input, that can double as multiple screens. And it really is something that we're going to see more and more of. And the quality of these foldable screens, the longevity of these foldable screens, and the whole flexible screen environment is going to develop exponentially over the last little while. The old the old adage of having this fixed box with a screen in it is going away. You're going to see screens wrapped around poles. You're going to see screens built into architectural elements. You're going to see screens rolling up and, and fitting in your pocket or folding up and fitting in your pocket. The limit on all of these things is how do they get the electronics in when those things are not so flexible. So, again, LG have released a whole new range of TVs that are a couple of millimeters thick using their OLED technology where everything is built in, no separate boxes. They've managed to bring everything, including the speakers, into a two or three or four millimeter thick TV. So the miniaturization of tech, the rollable, foldable, um, flexible screen Revolution is coming at a rate of knots. And the last area that is getting really smart that I want to mention before we have to wrap this all up is headphones. There were a host of new in-ear, earbud, over-ear, no-wires type headphones with some really unbelievably smart tech which scans your ear, scans the environment, adapts the sound. Again, headphones are no longer passive players of music. They're active participants in noise cancelling from AirPods to you name it. You can get them. And the quality and the range and the depth of these headphones is is, is pretty dizzying. They're from all prices, from 49 US dollars, call it 500 Rand, 600 Rand, all the way up to 20 grand. There are just so many. So on that note, I will try to discuss a few more cool things for CES next week. But till next week, stay tuned. This is High FM, Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk.